breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Still, it still gives me chills. Yeah, it's it, unreal. It, unreal. Everybody, that's one of those moments. Everybody mm-hmm. remembers where they were. Yeah, the moment that happened. Uh, you know, we're joined by our friend Jeffrey Goodman. He's at the the YMCA. Is he calling in? Okay, we need him to try calling us again. Um, they do something really special every year. Yeah, it's um, they set up, and I was there yesterday, and they set up. Um, stairmasters in the lobby. I think they've got six or eight of them. And people put on the fire gear and get on those stairmasters and they climb a 110 stories like the firefighters. At, like the firefighters and police officers did on September 11th. And some choose to put the gear on, some choose not to. They have, uh, you know, I've watched my son do it. Uh, Try his number again. See if that's a problem. I don't know what the problem is. I don't know what's going on with our phone system. But they, um, we have a lot of military people that come do it. We have a lot of uh, just regular people that go to the gym. They decide to make it their, their workout for the day. Uh, but it is no... I have a one of my old... My oldest son is in big time good shape. And he has done it each year mm-hmm. um, for the past four years. And it, it's a struggle. That's a struggle. And they set them up out out in the the lobby, right? Right, right in the front. Yeah. And there's a banner that when you come in, you sign the banner saying that you did it. And you don't have to do 110 floors. Is he there? There's apparently a problem with our phones. Oh, I just tried lovely. to call my own number and it wouldn't go through. Okay. So, yeah, oh, darn. We're having okay. phone issues this morning. Oh, man. Oh, lovely. Oh, that's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. We've got a lot of people lined up for you. Yeah. <laughs> let me try the other number. Hey, let me give him the other number. It's a secret, super secret number. Uh, let's see. <laughs> oh, boy. On. This is riveting. Keel, yeah. I know. Sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Well, I, but, I, I went and pulled some audio from 9-11. Uh, 2001 mm-hmm. and and they had an interview Aaron with a little girl who was in the classroom where President Bush was speaking and they had pictures of the children in the classroom and she was standing there and then they were talking with her today and she's like I mean she's 25 years old now that's just unbelievable yeah. I mean, she's was, this beautiful was, young woman and they showed pictures of her as a little six-year-old girl mm-hmm. and she had her hand she was looking at the president and she had her hand over her heart because she was like it was <sighs> such an incredible you know feeling to be looking at the president of the united states and right. she you know of course they had no idea what what had just happened mm. 
Golly, that is so devastating. And, and I, uh, and uh, it just brought home the fact that we have, uh, you know, an entire generation that doesn't know the magnitude of right, what happened right, that day. Exactly. It, by the way, if you want to go to the um, to the Y and, and try the stair climb, you don't have to do all 110. You do not have to be a member. Anybody can just stop in, go in, and you want to do five floors, you can do five floors. Um, if you want to do the whole shebang, put on the fire boots and gear and all that, you can do all that. It is just, um, it, it's amazing to watch because when the people come mm. off that Stairmaster after going up 110 floors, they're spent. Well, I mean, yeah. they are spent. And imagine that with smoke in your face. Well, Darkness. And two, that was just the beginning of what you had to do. Yes. Once you got up those 110, you now had people that you had to try and save. Or, get them and down. Help and get them down mm -hmm. stairs. In the smoke, in the heat, in the darkness. Um, I'm, I mean, it's a nice, it's a, it's a great way to kind of mimic the, the efforts of going up. But it in no way... Could we even come close to mirroring what those heroes did? And and many lost their lives doing it. And that, and that's and that's the thing my son told me when he got off of it. He he the whole time kept thinking some of the guys that were going up these stairs didn't come down. Never came back. That's yeah. right. Yeah. They they were lost in the building collapse. And um, it's just a day we can't forget. And and we we will have later this morning at seven forty Royal Alexander, who was in Washington D.C on September 11th and his harrowing story of watching what was going on at the Pentagon. He was right there and um, just an amazing story. And we can't forget the day. I mean, a lot of us realize, oh, it's 20 plus years ago. Mm. But when well, you say it out remember, loud, yeah. We, you know, we remember Pearl Harbor. Yes, absolutely. As, was, as a day that America was attacked. Mm -hmm. and, and this is just as significant. Oh, no doubt. Um, no doubt, Ruben. Do you can you do you have the cut with President Bush? Uh, let me see. I've got uh, radio calls live as the tower falls. I've got a few of those uh, on the button bar here, but I don't know if I have that one on there right now. Prince, okay, can. okay, yeah. President Bush. Um, he looked back. They interviewed him, and in, in, on that day, and, and he has his. Uh, a few thoughts on that day, and we'll play that for you in just a little bit. Tim Fletcher with sports coming. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty. Remembering 9-11. Um, and, and we do have other things that we're going to discuss today as well. Mm -hmm. uh, City Council has their work session today. Yeah, boy, they have a bombshell dropping. And, mm -hmm. <laughs> and of course, their regular meeting tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but I, I did pull some audio from uh, different, some interviews uh, from 9-11, some actual audio footage Um there's uh, President Bush uh, wasn't in office very long at all when when the planes uh, hit the towers in New York City. And uh, the BBC talked with him uh, just recently about his thoughts and, and what, what uh, he remembers from that day. 
I had to deliver a message that the president didn't expect to hear and was almost unbelievable. But it also literally was the message he had to hear, whether he wanted to or not. Andy Carr comes up to my behind me and says, second plane is at the second tower, America's under attack. And I'm watching the child read. And then I see the press in the back uh, of the room beginning to get the same message I just got. And I could see the horror etched on the face of the news people who had just gotten the same news. During a crisis, it's really important uh, to set a tone uh, and not to panic. And so I waited for the appropriate moment to leave the classroom. I didn't want to do anything dramatic. I didn't want to, you know, lurch out of the chair and scare the classroom full of children. And so I waited. That was incredible. I, I remember oh, seeing gosh. that. Man, yeah. And, and, mm. and the moment you could see him just, you know, contemplating everything in that moment. And, and of course, uh, his entire demeanor changed. Yeah. And his entire presidency changed. His face. At you that just, moment. Yeah, you saw it in his face. And he flew right here to Barksdale. They I mean, came, yeah. yeah, immediately to Barksdale. Uh, of course, nobody knew at right. the time mm -hmm. because nobody knew exactly what was going on. And uh, and then the Pentagon was hit. Royal Alexander was in Washington, D.C. And uh, he's going to talk with us coming up at uh, 740, hopefully. You bet. We're, we're hoping to get our phone system back up and going. It just um, it w was a, a tragic day. And, I, of course, I was in this building when it happened. And, mm -hmm. and it was... Um, uh, I'll never forget. I mean, I, I, it changed the world. It changed the world immeasurably. And I have a, um, I, I tell this story. I don't think I have it in the room, but I have a little picture of one of my children on a Chicago trip um, where the pilot, and I guess my son was four or five, where the pilot, this was before 9-11, where the pilot called him up into the cockpit and let him sit in the pilot's mm, seat mm -hmm. and put his captain's hat on him. Yes. And it's one of the most and, uh, treasured you, pictures I have of my child. But you can't do that anymore. Yeah. You're not invited to go in the cockpit anymore. No, no one is allowed in there. The doors are shut. And it's all because of 9-11. And I think, golly, it just, I mean, it. So that, that's just a small example of how the world changed. But think about what we have to do at airports now. When you go, you take your belt off, oh, yeah. your shoes off. Shoes off, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that was all different before nine eleven. So much has changed, and you know, I wish we would get back. Like I mentioned Friday, I wish we could get back to the we're all patriots, we're all Americans. There was uh, an interview with a lady who survived, and she got out of the one of the towers, mm -hmm. and she said when they were coming down the stairs, there was a guy with prosthetic legs. And he just sat down. He says, I, I can't go anymore. He says, I oh. can't do anymore. Mm. And she said, two men goes, nope. You know, <laughs> we're not leaving you here. And grabbed him and, and brought him downstairs. Wow. Uh, carried him all the rest of the way down. And she said, another lady was having an, an asthma attack. And she goes, oh. I had an inhaler in my purse. And she said, here, here. And the lady mm. says, I, I can breathe. And it just, Aaron, it chokes me up just talking about it. Yeah. That we weren't Democrats and Republicans. We weren't no. black and white. We mm -hmm. were Americans. Right. And she said people pulled together and did yeah. whatever it took 
to make sure that they could help anybody that they could help. I think we still would today, but we forget it so quickly. We, we do. We go back to yeah. our little special places and, you know, and we become those people that we don't like sometimes. And it's like, ah, uh, we, we need to just hold hands and love one another. And, and well, we've got a lot more in common than we do oh, uh, apart. So much. So much. In, in, mm. uh, you know, like you said, we tend to forget that. Yeah. But uh, 9-11, this is uh, 2020, what is this now? That 223, it's the 22nd anniversary? Yeah, yeah. 22 years. And 9 o'clock this morning, they're doing at the Liberty Garden in Bossier. They're having a, a commemorative event, and you're invited. Um, it's free. It's open to the public, and it, it's, a, it's a real moving event. If you've never been, uh, Bossier City puts on quite an event with lots of great speakers. Shreveport City Council having their uh, work session today. Uh, a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of interesting topics. We'll talk about that later this morning, Mike and McCarty. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. I'm going to change gears for just a minute. What? We're sitting on the porch last night mm-hmm. because it's now tolerable to be outside. Right. So nice out. We're going to a wedding, okay, mm-hmm. this weekend in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, cool. Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And my wife says, what are you wearing to the wedding? I said, I'm going to wear my seersucker suit. Uh-oh. I know, the, I know what she said. <laughs> it's after Labor Day. And I said, I don't care if it's after Labor Day. It's hot. It's it's a wedding in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm. I'm wearing my seersucker suit. <laughs> I think you're going to get away with it because you're within a couple of weeks. What do you of- mean get away with it? Are there fashion police yes. that are going to come cuff me because I'm wearing a yes. beautiful seersucker suit? It's after Labor Day. It's like, Ask you know, me if I give a rat's tiny. It should be okay. I don't care if it's Christmas Eve. If I want to, I'll wear a white linen suit if I want to. Mm, yeah. Is that really that important? She <laughs> goes, what if Micah says don't do it? Would you still do it? Yes, I'm going to still wear it. Who made up these stupid That's rules? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you. Are you kidding me? Who came are up you, with this? Are you bringing a spare suit just in case? Uh, that would be a no. <laughs> not no. packing an extra suit. Then what because if you get there and they say, some, please, no seersucker? Then they'll go, thanks. I don't have to go to this wedding. <laughs> What's I'm going on go, in Atlanta? <laughs> yeah. Let's go see a football game. I head back to the hotel. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to go watch the LSU game. <laughs> I'm missing the LSU game for this and as it is. Oh, seersucker suit. It's after Labor Day. Have you no cooth? <laughs> no. <laughs> Apparently, I don't. I just... it's. Oh, is by the way, is that really a deal? Is that really that important? Yeah. Are we that concerned? Is that I, what we're going to get upset about? I'm, I know what not, somebody's but. wearing. <laughs> I know. Now, if I go and in, in, I'm wearing flip flops and in shorts, yeah, okay, that's not okay. appropriate. Yeah, you're All at right. a wedding, family. Mm-hmm. Sure, I'm wearing a suit. Yeah, 
I have to, not not the next segment. Next segment, I want to talk about what's going on at City Hall. But coming up right before 7, like at 6.52-ish, 6.53, somewhere in there, I have to apologize. Um, God, I don't even want to say this out loud. I have to <laughs> apologize to all Italian-Americans. Uh-oh. I'll do that at just before 7. <laughs> Is this have anything to do with the Sopranos? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Micah McCarty, 1017. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Shreveport City Council has their work session today. Was it 10 o'clock? What time do they? No, 3. That's what I said, 3 o'clock? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, 3 o'clock. I heard you clearly. It's, uh, thank you. Oh, <laughs> what do you think I didn't know when the City Council work session was? 3 o'clock today and tomorrow. And today they kind of go over the agenda and figure out, you know, what they're doing. And they, had, they do some, you know, wheeling and dealing kind of behind the scenes. But... Little known item was put at the very bottom of the agenda. (laughs) And it says uh, something like review of job performance of clerk of council. Job status. Job status of clerk of council. Who is um, Shanerica Flemings. She was um, one of the executive assistants to Mayor Adrian Perkins. And then she, when he left office... Council Chairman James Green kind of took the lead and put her in place uh, as clerk of council with um, little to no input, little to no vetting, didn't put it out for, ad, you know, for ads for other people to apply. It was just like she was given the job. Um, there have been some things that have happened of late that people are ticked off about. And some of them come back to her. Some of the staff members are not happy with her. Um, there is well, it, her her um, involvement goes back to the Perkins administration. You bet. She was the one mm-hmm. who changed insurance providers for the city, right? Before Mayor Perkins ever even took office. And we would we would all acknowledge that was probably at the direction of Perkins, but you know she did it. Um, claiming it was going to save the city money, which it did not. It actually cost us more money. For less coverage, from what I understand. Less coverage, and it involved people that the mayor was close to. It was a debacle. He he admitted right, you know, shortly after that he, quote, stubbed his toe. Uh, it should have never happened like it did. Now she has been pointed to as one of the employees who allegedly asked for a pay raise Mm -hmm. after last year all city workers were given a 13 percent pay raise then she apparently asked for an increase uh, of council chairman james green which he denied he said no one asked me for a pay raise i was what was he going to do with them he wanted to bless them he wanted to bless them yeah um other council money not mine other council members said no it was asked for and once she asked for it, other council staffers said, well, if she's getting a raise, right. we need one, too. We've been in this office a lot longer than she has. You know, if you're bumping her pay up, we want one as well. Um, and so she's been at the center of a little bit of a firestorm. And I'm told Gary Brooks and Ursula Bowman are the two that have put this on the agenda, which means you'll have probably Jim Talaferro and Grayson Butcher 
in favor of removing her from her position. Uh, she serves at the will of the council as council clerk. There have been a lot of emails and things, you know, that it's just, I know I, I'm, I'm a lucky human being in that I dealt with Art Thompson, who was clerk of council for right. th- 300 years. I, and, I, I hate that I missed him. And he was just an easy man to work for, to get information from, to deal with when you needed things. He would make things happen. And he was not uh, confrontational at all. It was, I'll help you if I can. I'll see what I can do to help. And he ran a smooth sailing ship. And they're in rough waters right now. That office Mm. is in rough waters. We also heard from Ursula Bowman that uh, Ralph Johnson, who's the, Mm -hmm. what is he, the media person for the council? He's a director of council affairs. Yes, exactly. That that, that he's under fire from some council members about whether or not he's doing his job. We have a city council with seven members. Mm-hmm. And we have five staff. That's to me you're for right. these seven members. That and how many how many meetings does the council have? They have. Do we need five extremely well paid staffers for a council of of seven? The Caddo Commission has fewer staffers, and they have twelve members. Think they have about 12 that. Twelve members, and they have what? Fewer staff members. Fewer, I think mm-hmm. three. Yeah. Don't quote me. I think three, and they have like eighty meetings a year. They have way more meetings a year than the city council does, and they do it with much less staff. <laughs> I know. I, I I don't understand it. And when we added Ralph Johnson, I was this one going, "Whoa, hang on, what's the deal? Is it? Is it?" Okay, let's you know, let's find a job for our buddy. Hey, we can put you on the city council staff. Yeah, exactly. I can, exactly. I can create a position and pay you a hundred thousand dollars a year. How does that sound? We will see if she soon will be looking for an, uh, a I job. I have friends on the council. Can mm-hmm. I get a job? Oh yeah, we should call them. Yeah, we need a job. No, we don't. <laughs> We're fine. Mike and McCarty, one hundred one seven FS. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. I'm trying to think what you did that leads you to believe you have to <laughs> apologize. Oh, you'll know immediately. Did you oh. use Italian sausage in your sausage balls? No. No. There was no throwing of sausage balls, by the way, Saturday night. No, was there? no. Okay. Not a, nary a ball got yeah. thrown. My no. wife was like, I feel sorry for, you know, I said, I know. well, they made a million dollars. Yeah, you know? yeah, they did. And she uh, said, and she goes, well, they, when they beat up on teams like that, they're, they're not beating up on teams. I know. This is how it should be mm-hmm. when we play a university that's, you know, A, not in the SEC, right. but anyway. And I got a, a lot of people were complaining about running up the score. You know what? When you put the third and fourth string guys in, they want to show what they can do. And they're still going, right. They want to. They want to perform. So you, I'm sorry, so you remember. I, I, this, this probably isn't the first time you've had to uh, apologize to a mass group of people, I'm guessing. <laughs> it's, it's not. No, it's not. This is, um, you remember Friday when we talked about the mom hug? Yes, oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. football yeah. player. Yeah. That she jumped up on, on mm-hmm. him and wrapped her arms and legs around him. Yeah. I got sent a picture from a friend of mine, Kendra, who, um, uh, well, she said... I don't love you anymore. Something oh. like that. She said she's she said 
that's we hug like that all the time. I jump in my kids' laps. I kiss them on the mouth. We that's what we do. That's what Italian Americans do. We kiss on the mouth. We jump in our kids' arms. She sent me a picture of her jumping in her kids' lap at a game. It is so cute. It's adorable. But I simply told her if I did that to one of my children, (laughs) they would have me institutionalized. But see, that's how they were brought up, Right. If I kissed one of my boys on the mouth... They would put me at the Glen. <laughs> I would be at the Glen. I'm just telling you. Or, but or, apparently Italian-Americans, you know, even the father. Sal said, I kiss my boys on the lips. We kiss on the mouth. I kiss my grandma on the mouth. That's I what kissed Italian- my kids on the mouth for years. Do you still? I haven't. No, I haven't lately. Uh, apparently no. Italian-Americans, they greet like that. And I offended an entire population of people when i said <laughs> this kind of greeting was creepy it's still creepy but it's really I, not i understand folks do it and and it's accepted in a lot of crowds it's, it's how that. you were brought up if right you were, see i'm i'm a i'm a very of of you know demonstrative mm-hmm. affectionate person yeah my wife's family not so much mm-hmm. it's just the difference in in the way they if you were to go kiss Philip Roseman on the mouth. Well, now, come on. No, would he, no. It would be like, oh, oh. So would I. Yeah. <laughs> He's no, your brother-in-law, that's right? Not, yeah. Uh, they're just, but, but it's I. It's also not my child. I understand the greeting of the, the hug like that and jumping in your kid's arm. Hey, I'd break my kid's back if I jumped in their arm because I don't weigh what she weighs, no doubt. But kissing on the mouth, if that's your thing. Knock yourself out. And I apologize to all Italian-Americans and other groups that like to kiss their kids on the mouth and jump in their kids' arms. It ain't for me, but if it's for you, knock yourself out. Is that good? I'm not going to get killed now? I hope not. Okay, good. (laughs) Sopranos called. Uh, Well, we hope to have Royal Alexander next hour. Um, Today's 9-11, the 22nd anniversary Mm -hmm. uh, of of our country being attacked. And he was in Washington, D.C. the day the planes hit and the plane hit the Pentagon. Mm -hmm. And uh, hopefully we'll hear from him. Uh, We're having phone issues, just warning you. Yeah. Micah McCarty, 1017. Today's the 22nd anniversary of 9-11. And I I was watching uh, one of the interviews, Aaron, of a little girl who was in the classroom when President Bush was speaking. Uh, He was a guest in the classroom, and the interview was with her from today. And they had pictures of the classroom, and she was just the cutest little thing. Well, she's this beautiful 25, 20, 26-year-old lady now. Mm, gosh. And I yeah. thought, man, we've got an entire generation right. already. Yeah. That, 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 you know, that can that can vote now and, and you know, they're 20 or they're over 21. Starting to have their own babies. Yeah. I was in seventh grade. Yeah. Yeah. When it went down. Golly. 
that that uh, that did, that doesn't realize I I would venture to say doesn't realize the significance of what happened on that day. Um, Ruben, there's a there's a cut from the uh, the radio calls. The first one is one of the stewardesses, and when this first happened, you know they didn't know what was going on. Obviously, right. And then the second, well, I think the second little clip that you'll hear is actually the uh, the terrorist, the lead Muhammad Muhammad Atta, uh, uh, the one that I think flew the uh, flew the first plane in. But yeah, here's uh, here's some of the of what happened on that day. The cockpit's not answering. Somebody's stabbed in business class, and um, I think there's mates that we can't breathe. I, I don't know. I think we're getting hijacked. Is that American 11 trying to call? We have some planes that stay quiet and we'll be okay. We're turning to the airport. And uh, who's trying to call me here? American 11, are you trying to call? Nobody moves. Everything will be okay. If you try to make any move, you'll danger yourself and the airplane. Just stay quiet. Hey, can you look out your window right now? Yeah. Can you can you see God about four thousand feet about five east of your airport right now? Looks like he's Yeah, I see him. You see God look is he descending for the building also? He's descending really quick too, yeah. Well that's five like, hundred feet now. He just dropped eight hundred feet in like a, like one one sweep. That's that's another situation. Who, what kind of airplane is that? Can you guys tell? I don't know, I'll read it out in a minute. Another one just hit the building. Wow. Oh my God, wow, another one just hit it hard. Another one just hit the world side. All buildings just came apart. Holy smokes! I mean, people had no idea what was going on. Like, like the rest of us. When, when I was uh, in my production room there at Channel Three, one of the girls worked in accounting said a plane just hit the World Trade Center. My first thought was a Cessna, small, you know, plane, small plane Mm -hmm. pilot probably had a heart attack or something. Uh, And we'd walk down to the production director's office. And we were watching the coverage and then, of course, saw the second plane hit. And the, and the, the moment the second plane hit, we all knew. Everything changed. We knew immediately yeah. what was going on. And it was Especially like, when oh. you saw it was an airliner. Oh, you saw the huge jumbo jet. And we all have been on, many of us have been on planes like that. And so you know there's hundreds of folks on those planes. Yeah. And at that time of the morning, how many hundreds and hundreds of people were in those towers already sure. reporting for work? I, on on average, at most, I think, at any given time in the World Trade Center back then, there were 70,000 people working in that building. <sighs> That's half the population of Shreveport yeah. in and, the building. And had it been later in the morning, they would have been packed with people. I mean, it was still right. in the 8 o'clock hour. A lot of people still didn't report to work till 9 so imagine if you were one of those folks who go to work at nine and your office was on that floor, whatever floor. Can you imagine? It's just. There's a, there's a reporter, Ruben, uh, the, he was reporting, he was close, like at the base of the towers, the plane, I think a plane that I think both had already hit at that point because one begins to collapse. This is as close as we can get to the base of the World Trade Center. You can see the firemen assembled here, the police officers, FBI agents, and you can see the two towers. A huge explosion now raining debris on all of us. We better get out of the way. We don't know what's happened inside. What we know we have to do is just keep running the other way. The firemen are going this way. So are the police officers. 
We don't know what's happening. Golly. Uh, it, just, it, it just brings chills. Just brings chills. It really does. And, and you know, people might be, well, why are y'all doing that? What you, we don't need to forget. We don't. We absolutely don't. Today at 9 at the uh, commemorative gardens there in Bossier City, they're doing a ceremony that will involve lots of military folks. They're asking anybody that wants to show up to come out. Um, it's a short program to remember. And, of course, you know they have a piece of the steel beam from the World Trade Center there at the garden. Um, also at the YMCA on Preston at Knight Street, they, they have stair climbers in the lobby. And you're encouraged mm-hmm. to come out, sign the banner, and then if you can, walk the 110 floors on the Stairmasters. And which will kind of mimic what those uh, emergency crews had to do. You don't have to go the whole distance. If you just want to go one flight, you can do that. If you want to do the whole thing, you can put on all the fire gear if you want. They'll have that available. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's open to members, non-members, anybody that wants to stop by. And to watch people get on those stair climbers all day today is quite amazing. Because if somebody that goes the whole 110 floors and they get off, they are dripping with sweat. They are worn out. Imagine doing that with carrying people down in smoke. Oh, and when, soot once all you over climbed you. those 110 flights, mm-hmm. your work was just beginning. Yes, exactly. as a firefighter or mm-hmm. a police officer or any you know an EMT personnel. Right. You, you your job was just starting. In in almost complete darkness for whatever fire flashlights you had with you, um, smoke soot debris around you and you're climbing and you keep climbing and you keep climbing because you hear people and you know there are people that need your help firefighters and police officers i mean we completely salute you today and Mm. this is one of those days when we know uh you'll risk it all for us and and did so on september 11th over and over and over again one of the ladies that was interviewed on on one of these programs that i watched was uh she said there was a when she was exiting she was a survivor she mm-hmm. actually got out of one of the towers and she said there was a man with prosthetic legs and he was in the stairwell and he says i i, I can't go any farther i can't and he just sat down and he was resigned uh. to give up and she said two men goes nope grabbed him picked him up and mm. took him all the way down uh. she said another lady was having an asthma attack and she couldn't breathe she was Obviously, very distraught, mm-hmm. and she had a she had a uh, an inhaler in her purse, and she said people were doing you know people came together and were doing whatever they had to do right, and and I and I, I hate that it takes a, a tragedy for us to remember that we're all Americans mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely. Tim Fletcher has sports coming up next. Mike and McCarty one on one. Back to the big stories of the day with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. I'll change gears just a little bit. No sausage balls were thrown Saturday night. Nope. Nope. Absolutely um, not. I do want to just tell y'all this today. <laughs> no kidding. Hook them horns. <laughs> Hook 'em horns. I, I I, I'm going to be honest. I didn't know what you were doing. <laughs> I thought you were like going Sabbath or so, you know, something like that. You don't know the hook 'em horn <laughs> sign? Okay. Hook, so, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, there you go. It's, it's not rock and roll. <laughs> okay. It's hook 'em horns. Got it. 
Texas beat Alabama. It was awesome. That was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> to see Nick Saban's face. Like, That's the best thing about when oh, things are going wrong. When when they pan over and show Saban and he's stomping the sidelines, pacing. throwing his headphones. Oh, <laughs> man. I relish in that. I really do. But I it made but it but it did a lot of people were putting, oh, the SEC's just mediocre now. <laughs> you know, Florida lost, uh Alabama lost, the Tigers Texas lost. AM. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was not a good weekend. It hadn't been a good two weeks, excuse me, for the for the SEC. And people are going, ah, you're just mediocre now. And now Texas is coming into the conference next year. Um, and they kind of manhandled Bama. I mean, they really controlled the game. Well, and they were saying, if you watched College Game Day, which, by the way, College Game Day's back, mm-hmm. um, that uh, uh, Texas actually has more talent. They do. Uh, across the board, mm-hmm. when you line up position by position. Yep. Texas is, is, is there, lined up, ready to go. And uh, so they were they this was not a surprise to a lot of people. Right, right. That, it it um it's going to be interesting when that conference expands when we get Oklahoma and Texas. Yes. And then to see, is Colorado a fluke? I mean, we know Nebraska hasn't been dominant lately, but right. Colorado opens the year two and There was now. so much hype for that. Oh, man. So much excitement, you know. And they that and had they won. to be their day. And they had to get Dion off the field. He couldn't even cross the field to shake hands with the uh, the Nebraska coach. The that coach came over because he was worried because the fans were the kids were going to storm the field, and he was worried that they would be all over him, and because they just want to love on him. And he said, "I got to get out of here quick." So they the other coach came over. They got Dion out quick, and he did a little interview in the tunnel, not on the field. Mm-hmm. So it was a good weekend, and the Saints were winners yesterday over the Titans. Yeah, they and, they, they hung on is the best thing yeah, I'll say. And the Cowboys they were able, pummeled the Giants. Derek Carr able to do the kneel, you mm-hmm. know, the end of the game kneel a couple times at the end of, at the end of the Saints. They they did hold. I think it was like sixteen to fifteen. Uh, yeah, but the Cowboys, boy, they made a statement. They wow. made an in conference statement Mike last night. Drop on the Giants. Yeah. I mean, seriously, forty to nothing. I think it was, was the at MetLife Stadium too. It, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Golly, that was a big, op- it was a great big, weekend. big weekend. Big opening for the Cowboys. Uh, exciting. All my Cowboys fans are very happy today. Um, it was a good weekend for football. I, you know, for those who say LSU ran up the score on Grambling, I mean, think twice about it. If it was your kid that played for LSU and was the third string quarterback or the third string or fourth string running back, and they get to get in the game at Tiger Stadium, might be the only game they play this year. They're not going to go in and half-ass it? Sorry. No, they're not going to run to the sideline and drop down before they get out of bounds. They're just going to keep trying to play. And that's what they did. And, yes, it was 70-whatever to 10 or whatever the score was. And that that happens sometimes in football. But those kids want to play. They want to show off their talent. Sure. I mean, third-string quarterback, this is – Maybe his only time entire year right. to get on the field in a game situation. Absolutely, he in wants Tiger to Stadium. show what he can do. You bet. And I, I know that's a that's a lot of points, and it's embarrassing for Grambling. But you know, Grambling knew probably knew going in, we're not going to win this game. We're going to get a big paycheck, and our band will get to play, and and we'll have a little fun. And I hope they did. And, you know, that they took a beating, and then that's kind of what happens. I'm prayerful for the kid from Shreveport who got hurt in the game, who played for Grambling. He had to be carted off. 
uh, Richardson, I believe was his name. So I'm hoping he's okay. Um, he was in a, a hospital in Baton Rouge. Have I'm, we have we gotten a report? My wife asked me later that night if they had said anything. He I said, was I conscious. Heard. He was conscious, and I'm not sure what the injury is. I'll check on it, and we'll find out. But I'm hoping he's you know keep him in your prayers because he's a local kid. I think he played at Woodlawn here in Shreveport. So um, was it Woodlawn here or Baton Rouge? Here, he said he was a Shreveport kid. We'll okay. have to look it up. We'll look it up and see. But I believe he was a local kid. So um, hopefully he's okay. And just, you know, Tigers have another, I think, Mexico, New Mexico State next. and No, Mississippi State. Oh, Mississippi State. That's right. In, we opened conference play. We're at Mississippi State. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Sausage balls may be flying. Yeah, I'll have to save some. Uh, <laughs> City Council has their work session the, later this afternoon. We're going to talk about that coming up, 101.7 FM. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. So how long were you at the Book Bazaar? Was it Friday? Friday it started and it ran all day Saturday. I was there for a couple hours on Friday afternoon. I was going to try to get there because you were there before the doors opened, I think, at 3. Yeah, I got there at 3 and we were there till 5 and I just love that event. Ah, I, I I got tied up in at my studio. I couldn't I couldn't get away, and, and quite frankly, I forgot because I was busy. Mm-hmm. And when I did remember, it was after four. You couldn't even get down King's Highway. Oh, it was so packed. People were people with wagons and yes. suitcases yes. and big Tupperware, Rubbermaid boxes. I mean, they they were piling up the. I got probably fourteen, fifteen books. I didn't spend ten dollars. I think it was ten fifty. Was talking with Ruben. We were talking during the break, and uh, I I remember reading. I I've read all my life. I just I, all the Hardy Boys, mm-hmm. uh, you know, up to up to Grisham, and then Tom Clancy. I mean, I've and I remember reading Old Yeller. And oh, man. I remember my parents, my grandparents lived in Dayton, Ohio at the time. My grandfather was Air Force. Mm-hmm. Uh, he retired a full bird colonel in the Air Force. And he, they lived in a split level home in Dayton, Ohio. It was, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Right. never seen anything like that. Oh, yeah. And my, the, the bedroom I stayed in was down in the lower level. And I remember finishing Old Yeller, coming out of that bedroom looking at my mom and I'm bawling wait let me read this killed old we were tricked as children yes. so many of us into reading books where dogs die where the red fern grows yes uh, old yeller and they're God. these beloved or Bambi books. even not even, even dogs I mean not even dogs just animals oh watching Bambi's mom get shot by this evil hunter don't give it away oh yeah <laughs> hundred year old movie right yeah <laughs> You're so right. There were so many of those. It's, like, why oh. are they making us read these? <laughs> I don't think they do that anymore. I don't remember my kids having to read any of that stuff. Yeah. But yeah. even even like with your kids, like Lion King. Look at yeah, Mufasa. Lion, Lion yeah. King. Oh, yeah. Gets killed, trampled by the antelope or oh, whatever. That's true. <laughs> Poor Mufasa. <laughs> Golly. Traumatizing our kids. We were. We really were. As, as my son at 12 reads Lonesome Dove. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah, I'll be. I was reading. I'm 
got home, started reading the Sally Field biography. I thought, I hadn't read this. I can't believe it. So that's what I'm reading now. It's straight from like the her? book bazaar. Did you really, really like her? I really, really liked her, yeah. <laughs> Stop it. Where's some ammo? She- <laughs> <laughs> I got to watch her do that scene in... in uh- uh, uh, steel magnolias at the oh at the, nice yeah at the cemetery when oh she, nice about, yeah that big was, fan that I'm, was, I've always been a big fan. Went, oh, <laughs> she's heard this story seven hundred times. I'm yeah. like, yeah, you have. Everybody else hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> that is so cool. So cool. Shreveport City Council having their work session today. We were hoping to get Royal Alexander on. Uh, but our, our phones are having issues. Mm-hmm. We have a bug in the phone system, and they're working on them as we speak. The great so, ones got us over the weekend. Yes. Um, today, the 9-11, and uh, Royal was in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the plane hit the Pentagon. Golly. And Amazing. So, uh, yeah. I, I, we're hoping, we're still holding out hope, but uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, but uh, we've we got lots of stuff lined up. Mm-hmm. Michael McCarty, 101. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. We just got a message on the Shreveport Security Systems message board. Go to YouTube and watch Bambi meets Godzilla. <laughs> I think I remember that. I think I remember seeing that. Are you serious? Yeah. Obviously, yeah. it's a fan movie. There's yeah, such yeah, a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There really is such a thing? Well, it's not. It's somebody probably created it. It's, okay. It's, it, yeah, it's an it's an animation, not by Disney or anybody. <laughs> oh, real. Okay, yeah. It's just an internet thing. <laughs> Disney ought to get on it. Bambi meets Godzilla. No. I'm, I'm watching with very, very interested ears and eyes the uh, city council work session today. Yes. And the meeting tomorrow. There's a, you described it better than I did. There's a, the very last item on the agenda is, uh, is it a review? Is it a... It was a job status of uh, Shenerica. Shenerica Fleming's the clerk of council. Job status. Now, does right. that mean she's quit? I does think, that mean they're going to let her go? Well, I mean, there's been so much controversy surrounding her in her various positions in city government Mm -hmm. going back to before adrian perkins took office right absolutely with the whole insurance debacle and that that word is used a lot with that administration isn't it the debacle. debacle you're right you're absolutely right i just don't like you know when we have a an open position in city government like the clerk of council you you, to, to be fair, you should really put it out for well, for, for interviews, for, for applicants to try to get the best and brightest. You know, perhaps you have somebody on staff that would be interested. The but, way this one worked is she was handpicked by James Green, the council chair, and she was voted into the, to the position. Or, or even worse, Aaron, not a, an open position. Let's create a position. Here's Director of Council Affairs mm-hmm. now. A new position. Yeah. Making more than 80 grand. Oh, and here's the person that has this job. Not, here's what we want to do. Let's put this out. Let's do interviews. They, they did put that one out. They did. That's what they, I said. They did, they did solicit inter, you know, applicants for that. But I think they probably had somebody in mind going into it, which is you part think? of the problem. Uh, for this one, 
you know, what is the procedure? Do they take a vote to let Shanerica Flemings go? Do they give her a severance package? Do What happens with her if they decide to let her go? Well, um, and it was first presented to us when the raises were were discovered because he didn't come out and say it. Mm-mm. He was going to tell the council, but he didn't in, what, two was months. Was he really? Well, thank you. <laughs> he was going to tell them. He just didn't have a chance to. Yeah. But it was presented to us as nobody on the council staff asked for a raise. I just wanted to bless them. Mm-hmm. Well, comes to turn out that that wasn't the case. Yep. Ursula hey. Bowman made it clear that it was asked for by members of the council staff. She didn't name Flemings by name, but other people have said it was Flemings who apparently asked for a raise. I don't know that to be the case. And then when she said she wanted a raise, then two of the other council staff said, well, if she's getting a raise, we want a raise. Because we've been on the staff for a lot longer than she has. So they weren't just little innocent bystanders like we were led to believe. Mm-hmm. And James Green was the bad guy in all this. And I, you know, I just think Part of the problem with the city council is James Green, and I, and I'm real disappointed in having to say that because I know Councilman Green from way back when he served long ago, and he was a very responsible, uh, moral man. And I don't know what's gone south. Well, I don't know what's happened. When you get power, does that bring out your true character? I always had a lot of respect for him. I you really did. And I and I thought well, he knew that and I'm um, going by what I see today. Yeah. It's not good today. It's not good today. Now I'm told Ursula Bowman and Gary Brooks put this item on the agenda with regard to the clerk of council. That means they could have the four votes needed to remove her. Michael we'll McCarty, one oh one seven FM, seven ten Keel. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty. By the way, coming up just after the news at the top of the hour, uh gubernatorial candidate Sharon Hewitt going to be joining us. I thought she came across well during the debate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she did. I think she was did. Was it a debate or was it a forum? It really wasn't a debate. They just no. all responded. No, it than, was a it was more a forum than a, than a debate. A debate is they you know you get to argue with each other and uh, criticize each other and sometimes ask questions of each other. So that's um you know looking forward to asking her some of the questions. I I'm I'm a little torn by how many of them talked about crime and what we're gonna do. can a governor really do much to impact crime? I have a question about that. I want to ask her. Um, there were some other issues that came up, you know, and you mentioned a good one last week. Well, like if you don't have a chance of, of winning, at what point do you say, I'm not going to win this. Let me throw my support behind the person who's going to win. You know, that's a valid point. Otherwise, do you give, are you helping Sean Wilson? Not sure about that. Well, the last two governor's elections are are, are what give me pause when we have so many Republican candidates in the field. Right, exactly. Not that, listen, not that they're not all probably very qualified, good people. Yes. I'm I'm not disparaging any of them as people. Right. Um, It's just, look what happened last two times. 
Mm-hmm. The, the Republicans don't seem to pull together like Democrats do. And if you've watched or listened to any of the commercials, they're starting to bash on each other. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened last time. And now you, you are seeing some PACs bashing on Sean Wilson a lot. And that's going to continue. But you're also seeing the Republicans bashing on each other, particularly bashing on Jeff Landry. Lot, yeah, a lot trying of to hits gain ground. on Landry. Mm-hmm. They're trying to gain ground. Mm-hmm. Um, do they Do they have enough time? Do people care yet? That's what I quit. I always question that. That was a good, yeah, you asked that uh, last week. Are people paying attention yet? And my point to that is, Which how is, sad is it? And I know if somebody's listening to this show Chances are, yes, they are, mm-hmm. but not everybody listens to this show or this radio station. How Ask, m- how yeah. Ask among your friends today. Do, do a little experiment for us and then send us a message on the Shreveport Security Systems message board. Ask people today in your circle uh, to name three people running for governor and let's see if they can do it. Mm-hmm. I'd be curious. Could they name three that are running for governor? That's interesting. Yes. Um, I don't think too many people in my circle... My gal pals, I don't think too many of them could name you three. They might could say Jeff Landry, maybe, maybe Sean Wilson. But I don't know if they could reach deep and dig out any of the others. I don't know. I'm not sure. Those segments that, like Waters World, when he used to go out into the street and ask, you know, mm-hmm. the, the general public right. questions that every American should be able to answer. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just, you know, the people laughing in the audience or whatever. It's like, no, this is not funny. This right. is this is actually sad and scary. Sometimes you're absolutely right about that. No doubt. Sharon Hewitt, uh, candidate for governor, will be joining us. After- One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. So you, I can't remember now because I have slept since then, and I'm an idiot. Uh, you watched the debate, the gubernatorial debate. I, I did. Uh, I, I ended up watching the entire thing mm-hmm. last week. Um, it's actually one of I think four debates that are planned for this month. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one is going to be in Lafayette. This Friday, okay, September 15th, and uh, for this one, all seven candidates are planning to attend. So only five of them were at the debate last week. Right. Jeff Landry caught a lot of flack because he didn't show up. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. But... And I, I really wouldn't call it a debate, per se. I, I wouldn't either. I would say it was kind of more like a forum, I would bet. And, um, I, you know, when you had to grade them all to see, you know, how they did, I thought John Schroeder did good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, thought, I thought he did well. Yeah, I thought um, Sharon Hewitt did good. Uh, Wags, she did well. Wags did okay, too. Um, yeah, I, th- I think actually, I think I think Stephen Wagesback probably was one that looked the best mm-hmm. overall. It it looked like Sean Wilson was kind of coached 
and and he looked a little bit very agitated, much, very agitated rehearsed through, through the debate. Um, he made his points, but of course he's going to differ from the others. We have uh, State Senator Sharon Hewitt joining us now on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Good morning, Senator. Good morning, Aaron. How are you? We're good. Thank you for uh, taking time to join us this morning. We were discussing the debate last week. Uh, how did you feel after the debate? Well, I think the debate was a good opportunity for me to introduce myself to voters that perhaps don't know about my background and my plans for the state. Sharon, I'm sorry, uh, Senator Hewitt, um, you, you're running in a what, what folks will say is a crowded Republican field um, with Jeff Landry considered by many to be the front runner. You want to catch up. You think you would be a better governor than he would be. Can you explain why? Well, look, this is an interview for the most important job in the state of Louisiana. And I think when you're interviewing, what you've accomplished in the past and your background should count for a lot. And I would hold up my resume and my background to anybody. I was an executive, an engineering executive for a major oil and gas company where I learned how to negotiate with some of the, the biggest companies in the world. I managed Shell's budget one year, competing, you know, against all the other worldwide projects in their portfolio. Um, I have served in the legislature now for eight years, a leader in the legislature, passing a record-setting number of bills that demonstrates I'm not just waiting to be governor to start fixing the problems in our state. I have already begun all of those things on education, workforce, crime, the economy that people care about, that everyday families care about. I'm not just talking the talk. I'm actually a doer, a problem solver, and an engineer. State Senator Sharon Hewitt, yeah, during the debate, one of the big topics, of course, was crime. And all the candidates were uh, pont- pontificating on what they were going to do to help, you know, with the crime problem. But what can the governor actually do to help stifle crime? Well, the governor can do quite a bit. And and quite honestly, this is one of the shortcomings, I think, in, in Mr. Landry's campaign. He's been the top cop now for eight years. He should have been leading on the issue of crime. But now that he's running for governor, he's going to say, hey, I'm going to fix crime. Well, where have you been the last eight years? There are things that we can do as governor. The first is, of course, you have to support the men and women in blue. Part of that is not just changing the culture and and returning to a a culture of respect for law enforcement, but it's also paying the men and women, both in terms of pay for state troopers and supplemental pay for other law enforcement officers. We also have to get our law enforcement systems where they're talking to each other. We read in the paper every day about prisoners that were either kept in jail too long or they were released early. And it's partially because our law enforcement agencies can't communicate with each other. They don't calculate good time properly. And so nobody really knows what's going on. The left hand doesn't know what the right hand's going. And the victims and the victims' families, of course, there's no transparency for them in terms of when those offenders might be let out of jail. Was the Justice Reinvestment Act a mistake? No, it was not. It Now, is it working 
uh, with fidelity in terms of implementation? I don't know. It's been six years now, and we've been asking for the data. That criminal justice reform work was based on nonviolent offenders. Violent crime going up right now has nothing to do with the justice uh, reinvestment work that we did in 2017. But you'll hear sheriffs say, Senator, that some of the people that were let out early were charged with violent crimes, but they pled it down to nonviolent offenses. And that's kind of a sticking point for some folks in law enforcement. Well, how do you how do you answer that? Well, those are the things that we need to fix. You know, if we didn't get it quite right in the legislation, you know, in terms of how you classify a violent versus a nonviolent offender or how you take into account the fact that, yes, sometimes they plead to nonviolent offenses. But the legislation didn't dictate who we let out and who we don't. It just said for those nonviolent offenders, rather than wasting away in jail, let's find them job skills and, and education skills so that they don't go back to their old ways. It's second chances. Those are good things to do. And that's what that legislation was focused on. And we worked um, extensively with the sheriffs and the DAs in that legislation. So if there are things that we didn't get right or it's not being interpreted correctly, then let's fix that. We didn't tell you our questions ahead of time, which I find a breath breath of fresh air from those debates when you can tell it was also staged. So I'm going to read from the Hewitt blueprint. You ready? And I kind of sure. I kind of think you're crazy here, but, but let me read it to you. During my first term, K through three students will be reading at or above grade level. How on earth is Sharon Hewitt governor going to do that? Well, I've already started. Two years ago, I passed what the superintendent has called the most significant uh, literacy legislation in the history of our state. And that was returning our kids back to phonics, teaching phonics as the principle for reading. We started that two years ago. This year, Louisiana was one of three states that reported improvements in reading scores, only three states. So we know phonics is working. So kindergarten through third grade, that's four years. I will make sure the kindergartners are reading in the first on grade level in their first year, my first year in office. Second year in office, kindergartners and first graders are going to be reading on level, et cetera. And we're going to have all those kids reading as they should be by the end of my first term. Sharon Hewitt, uh, state senator running for governor. Can you hold with us through the break? Sure. All right. We'll be right back. Mike and McCarty, 1017. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. We're on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Candidate for Governor, State Senator Sharon Hewitt talking with us this morning. Sharon, on your website, um, one of the things that you mentioned is one of the issues that you want to work on as governor is uh, growing our economy. And anybody that's that's listened knows I'm a, a firm advocate in uh, economic development in our state. And part of that is our tax code. And you say that the, the, y'all have begun working on tax reform. Tell us about that and working towards eliminating the uh, state income tax. Well, thank you for the question, Mike. We know that the states that are growing the fastest um, are those that have zero state income tax. And there's great examples in, in Florida, Texas, Tennessee, 
and North Carolina is on the path, and they have been really a leader in this area. <clears throat> what our legislation that we passed a couple of years ago actually does is it um, hardwires a trigger so that in years of good revenue, be better than 2019 is the, the standard there, that we will automatically reduce state income tax brackets. Right now, Louisiana is one of the lowest state income tax brackets for those that still have state income tax in the country. We're at four and a quarter percent as our top bracket, down from just 6% a couple of years ago. In January of 2024, my first month as governor, is the first time this trigger will have an opportunity to kick in. I believe our top tax rate is probably going to drop from four and a quarter to 4% because this is automatically wired into the legislation. And we will continue under a Governor Hewitt administration, continue to ratchet that down until we get to zero. But it's smart, common sense reform because it's based on revenue that's coming in. So we're not just cutting $4 billion out of the budget. We're marching down to zero as we um, create more confidence in the business community that we are working to zero state income tax. Families and businesses want to move here. It generates more revenue. And then we continue to ratchet our taxes down. What replaces that revenue? Well, we replaced it already in the very beginning. The way we started this, Aaron, is we eliminated the federal income tax deduction off of your state income tax. That is what funded it initially um, because that was a year where, and again, most states don't do that. They do not allow you to deduct your federal income tax from your state income tax. So by doing that, we increased state revenue in the first year. That was two years ago. And that's what allowed us to decrease our tax rates from 6% to four and a quarter. Let me, let me ask you this, Senator Hewitt. Um, when Governor Edwards took office, our state budget was $29 billion. Eight years later, we're now at a $45, $48 billion budget. I want to hear one of the candidates for governor really say, we don't need in Louisiana a 48 or $45 billion budget. We've lost residents. We we're, we're, have smaller people to serve. We need to rein in state government. Is that going to be part of what you're going to do? Well, 100%. And it is what I have been arguing about you know, for eight years as a state senator. One of the things that I have been working on for the last five or six years is chairing a task force that's looking at all of the dedicated funds. You know, we have about $4 billion of dedicated funds wrapped up into that state budget number you just quoted. And this is basically taking money off the top and giving it to entities or or agencies on an automatic basis, and then all we really have left to budget is, is what's left, and it's, um, it's problematic. So through the task force that I've led, we've already eliminated $100 million. There's so much more that can be done. Governor Romer, when he came into office, he eliminated all dedicated funds, and since then we have built back to where we have about 400 dedicated funds. Mm. It's a favorite tool for legislators because once you get a dedicated fund, it's very difficult to undedicate it because, of course, now you have a constituency that loves it. A great example is the Bowl Weevils Fund. (laughs) We eradicated the Bowl Weevils like in the 1980s or 90s. And we still have a dedicated Bowl Weevil Fund? We have a dedicated Bowl Weevil Fund. (sighs) And so 
you know, those are things that we have to get rid of and let them compete with everything else on the table on a level playing field for state funding Mm -hmm. so we can prioritize our funding, get rid of those things that are not priorities for today and allow everyone to compete. And that is definitely holding us back. And I've been working on that, but I can do so much more as governor. State Senator Sharon Hewitt. We know Tim Temple is now the Louisiana Insurance Commissioner-elect. He was just in here last week. Uh, As governor, what will you do to work with him to try and rein in our insurance crisis that we have right now in Louisiana? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is, is, and Tim and I have already talked about this, is call a special session right after getting sworn in as, as governor and with the new legislature to address this crisis. It is the biggest thing probably on the minds of homeowners because they're all, many, many are at risk of losing their homes because they can't afford the property insurance or the flood insurance if you live below I-10. The problem that we have in Louisiana is twofold. And it's not because we have more hurricanes. It's two problems. We regulate the insurance industry differently than most other states, and we are a very litigious state. And so we have to change how we regulate the industry for them to want to work in Louisiana. Right now, they have too many choices on other states where they can work, and they're just saying, you know what? We don't want to work in Louisiana. I'll give you a great example. In Louisiana right now, the insurance commissioner establishes the rates for the insurance companies, for the premiums. In every other state, the insurance companies establish their rates because, of course, they have to manage their risk and manage their portfolio. And in a free market, they have to compete for your business. I like that model. Um, And that allows them, again, to want to work in Louisiana rather than someone else dictating what their revenue stream could be who may or may not have any knowledge of the rest of their portfolio and their their risk. Hmm. And so that's one example of several things that I've talked to Tim about that we actually can get done when we get a new legislature in place and an insurance commissioner that is interested in addressing this issue. Senator Sharon Hewitt, thanks for your time. Candidate for governor, uh, SharonHewitt.com, if you want to see her uh, blueprint, a lot of interesting things. Thank you for your time, sir. Ma'am. You're welcome. We have parts of our blueprint rolled out. We'll be rolling out a few uh, pieces as time goes along. Um, but you can see definitely our education plan and our workforce plan on the blueprint. Thank you, Senator Hewitt. Appreciate your time. Thank you. all Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Okay, I feel bad. You got an email. Mm-hmm. I talked last week about the Humane Society of Northwest Louisiana had a dog wash. Yes. And I and I kind of promoted the dog wash. I work I work my wife works with the Humane Society way more than I do, but mm-hmm. I, I work with them as well. It was supposed to be this past Saturday. It was supposed to be this past Saturday. And I looked on the Humane Society Facebook page. And they have the add up Saturday, September 20th, September 9th, 2023, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Maryland's place. Yeah. And the post says we're having to reschedule. Oh, no. Our annual dog wash. Oh, no. And they didn't put on the ad like rescheduled or. So I apologize. Mm-hmm. 
to anybody that might have shown up. Do we have a new date yet? On Saturday, they do not. It says we will update the page when it's rescheduled. Okay. Let, them, let us know, please. So I apologize about that. It's all your fault. We, we are remembering 9-11. And uh, Royal Alexander, local attorney, was in Washington, D.C., uh, on that fateful day, he's going to share stories coming up next. Mike and McCarty, 101.7. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 101.7 FM and 710 Kiel. The cockpit's not answering. Somebody's stabbed in business class. And um, I think there's mates that we can't breathe. I, I don't know. I think we're getting hijacked. Is that American 11 trying to call? We have some planes. Just stay quiet and you'll be okay. We're turning to the airport. And uh, who's trying to call me here? American 11, are you trying to call? Nobody moves. Everything will be okay. If you try to make any move, you'll danger yourself and the airplane. Just stay quiet. That's the voice of the actual hijacker, mm. Muhammad Atta as he was talking to the tower, trying to keep the passengers calm, apparently, so they wouldn't attack the cockpit mm. like they did on the plane, uh, the plane in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline is We Remember 9-11, Royal Alexander, local constitutional attorney. Uh, Royal, Aaron tells me you were in Washington, D.C. on that fateful day. I was, I was. That was quite an intro that you just did. It kind of, kind of snapped my, my head back a little bit, um, just to hear the, the actual radio conversation. Um, but, but that's true, Mike. On Tuesday, September the 11th, 2001, I, I was there. Um, it's, it's still kind of hard to describe. Uh, I was in Crystal City, Virginia, which is just over the interstate from the Pentagon. I was probably, 300 yards from the Pentagon when the, when the plane hit it. And I, you could see um, it. I, I could de- mm-hmm. definitely, I could. And, and more than anything, no one was looking for anything. What I could see was the smoke and the fire right afterwards. Um, but it, it was, I was there with former Congressman of the late Clyde Holloway. We were in DC trying to do some fundraising for our campaign. And I remember that morning he left, earlier than I did from the hotel in Crystal City and because we had an early meeting and I was going to stay behind to plan some stuff. And it seems like 15 or 20 minutes after he left that I heard a, a roar, just a, a very loud sound, and and it startled me, I remember. And I, I walked out to the parking lot of the hotel in Crystal City and looked across the way, again, probably 300 yards and saw black smoke billowing from that corner of the Pentagon. And not long after that, there was really an exodus of, there's probably 30,000 people who work at the Pentagon, just an exodus of terrified looking people leaving the Pentagon, coming into Crystal City. And I remember as the morning wore on, um, DC was just locked down. If you've ever been to DC, you know how it's, just the streets are never quiet. It's Mm-mm. never quiet. And it, it was still, nothing was moving on the streets, eerily still. Now, the planes and, had already hit the towers. Is that correct? Were you aware right. of that, that, that that had happened? No, no. 
uh, I wasn't. I, I w- we started hearing something on the radio. I was just stunned that this thing had just happened right here, and people seemed very panicked. And then I remember hearing on the radio that uh, uh, there had been plane crashes in other part of the country. I can't remember the chronology or the time um, span of, of as I kind of realized what was going on. But when I saw the city locked down like that, I knew this, it's a very serious thing. I remember seeing black military helicopters circling over the over D.C. Mm. and way way in the sky, fighter planes were slowly circling, and and the, these black suburbans with really these these black clad men holding weapons I didn't recognize out of the windows were were passing on the street. That was the only activity on the street and um i just remember uh, obviously i felt numb uh just unnerved and and also my my oldest brother worked for u.s senator john kyle from arizona and he worked in the senate heart office building and Mm -hmm. and i believe the capitol was one of the targets i think they just missed and um had the Capitol been hit, that that's one of the first Senate buildings next to it. So he, I was stressed out about that. I didn't, you know, I didn't know where he was, or you know, you, no one had any idea if the if it was over or if more was coming. So right. you got you got thing. trapped in D.C. Correct? I did for a week. We 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 couldn't leave, and fortunately, since I had family there, we um. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I didn't have to stay at an airport, but what's insane, I just remember as the day wore on, you're, you're just numb. You're yes. like, you can't even think. We're talking and, with Royal Alexander, who was in Washington, D.C. on 9-11. Uh, Royal, you say you were 300 yards away from the Pentagon when it got struck. What do you say to those who say, well, it wasn't a plane, it was uh, it was a missile or a truck drove into it or something, uh, that are trying to discredit the reports of, of another plane? Yeah, I, I think that's insane. That's what I would say. Um, as the night wore on, that that huge gaping hole in the building it, it it burned brightly, and and it would for days. If if you were there, and then you, you saw the president then go to New York, President Bush go to New York. I mean, our, our government realized that at least three planes had struck different parts of the country. Y'all remember President Bush ended up at Barksdale that day, mm-hmm. and um, it, it 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 just. And that building, I don't know what it was, the combination of the metal from that plane or the... And what I read later was that those hijackers made sure the planes were full of gasoline so they would cause the greatest amount of damage as they hit. And it it burned for days. That that hole in the Pentagon burned for days. And it, it um, and then someone hung a huge American flag outside of it. And mm-hmm. I just remember thinking, one, that... There really is evil in the world, for sure. If I had forgotten that or didn't know it, there really is evil in the world. But on the other hand, there's also a, a, the, the way this country came together. If you all remember that week, yeah. I mean, Absolutely. sporting professional profes- in months afterwards, professional sporting games were interrupted to hear the president address the country. Everyone came together. There was a sense of a sense of unity we we certainly in my view have not had since then but it can exist that's what that's what i took away from it but the patriotism yeah, yeah. that 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 brought us all together was was extremely powerful 
It was, and it's, I wish, I hope, and I think with prayer, it it takes each of us doing it, but with prayer that one day our country could be unified like that again. But I I do think that we have to realize the freedoms we have in this country are very rare in the world. Mm -hmm. And there are those who would take them away from us. They certainly don't have them in their countries. They would, they, they consider us the great Satan, you know, many of them. And I'm, I'm talking about the extremist mm-hmm. Muslims. That's well, how they view the United States and Israel. Royal, I, I can't thank you enough for joining us. And I got a text. Uh, what an account. You can still hear the pain and the fear in his voice uh, so many years later. Um, thank you for always sharing your story and for um, being the great person you are. We appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Royal Alexander, local constitutional attorney, Mike and McCarty. What a one- Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. So do we live in one of the most dangerous cities in the world? Oh, man, I got this. Actually, there's a list. Yes, the most dangerous, and I just honed in on the most dangerous in the U.S., and if you look at the top 10 list of the most dangerous cities in the U.S., two Louisiana cities are on the list. I'm going to give you three guesses. Let's see if you can get them. Okay. Well, obviously, New Orleans. It's not um, on the list of top 10. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. Wow. I know. That's your first guess. Uh, Rain, Louisiana. <laughs> it's not on the Mansfield. Top. No, it's not there. <laughs> Shreveport? Mon- Mon- no, Shreveport not in the top ten. Really? Monroe, They're- Louisiana was number one the past two years. It's now dropped to number two behind Bessemer, Alabama, which is a suburb of uh, Birmingham. And the other Louisiana city that makes the list is Alexandria, which is number nine. That's crazy. Listen to this stat, though. If you live in Monroe... You have a one in 38 chance of becoming a victim of violent crime. One in 38. Quick story. My daughter, when she swam for cost, mm-hmm. they had a swim meet in Monroe. I think it, I think it was the state over at, at ULM, mm-hmm. uh, Northeast at the time. No, 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 no. Yeah, Northeast at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, they pulled in late. They pulled into the uh, one of the hotels. I'll just say that. And my, my wife is getting the bags out of the trunk, and my daughter goes, Mom, Mom, get in the car. Get in the car. You told me, yeah. And in the parking lot, my daughter watched a man putting a mask, a oh. ski mask over his face, wow. getting out of the car while putting on gloves. Holy cow. Heading towards their car. Shh. Scary. She got her back in. That was years and years ago. Yeah, they they got in the car and drove home. Yeah, well, Monroe's been number one again for two years. It's now fallen to number two. Now, in Alexandria, you have a one in 58 chance of being a victim of a violent crime. We all talk about Shreveport being dangerous and violent and et cetera. But when you look at the numbers, and this was a, a piece that was done by Security Gauge, and they measured... You know, violent crime rates based on your population, and it was it was eye-opening. By the way, the recent list of the safest cities in the U.S., name the cities on that list from Louisiana. 
safest cities in the U.S.? Uh, well, obviously, I have no idea. Because there are none. <laughs> the top 10 safest cities in the U.S., no cities in Louisiana are on it. Several from Texas make the list. So we, it's not good. It's not good. The The top three uh, most dangerous cities in the U.S. are, let's see, Bessemer, Alabama is number one. Monroe, Louisiana is number two. So Monroe, Saginaw, Michigan. Monroe is the second most dangerous city in the country. The country. Yep. Wow. Memphis is number four and Memphis. Detroit is number five. Two Arkansas cities are on the list, too, Pine Bluff and Little Rock. So, uh, you know, not real thrilling if you're, you know, adding up the stats for uh, safe cities. We got two on the list. Not good. Mike and McCarty, 